In business and life, relationships are everything. Welcome to the People Catalyst Podcast, where we interview top business leaders and learn how they build relationships with their teams, clients, and those that promote and refer them. Here's your host, business trainer and leader of the People Catalyst team, Carla Nelson. And welcome to the People Catalyst Podcast, Alan Fadden. Hello, Carla. Hello. How are you, my friend? Oh, I'm excited because we have a very different podcast today. It really is. This book is different. It's unique. It's awesome. And then there's a lot of things that we can talk about, um, focusing <laughs> on extending the reach, which is, I've never seen a book. I don't know about you. You can, you know, jump in here, but that has been revised annually since 1970. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so and and they're gonna... very smart to do that because the subject matter changes so drastically and the laws change. Yeah, and technology. Technology has completely changed based off of, in 1970, what you would do and what you would do today. And so the book we're going to talk about is What Color Is Your Parachute? by Richard Nelson Bowles. And this particular book was, um, it came out in 1970. It has been... uh, uh, um, translated into 22 languages, 26 countries, and over 10 million copies sold, which is amazing. But I just really thought the revised annually since 1970 was completely unique, right? How many times have you heard a best-selling book? You know, like that's a that's a real long running right there. That's going to keep the author busy. <laughs> Yeah, I think I read, and, and what was interesting too, Alan, is you brought up this book and that, you know, we should read it and go through it. And it's one of the few best-selling business books I never read, but guess what? I've never had a job. Yeah, probably why I missed this one, even though it was super awesome. You know, um, I thought that, you know, there was a lot of really great content on you know, how to get hired. I thought that was, you know, it it talks a lot about the personality aspect of that. Uh, And I think for today, we should, uh, you know, shift that a little bit and talk about, okay, let's get a job, uh, but let's keep a job. And I love what your improv actor says about that. Yeah, that's uh, Charlie, the guy who runs our improv group. And he's been an actor. He's been in so many films. I don't think he's ever played a character. It's like a salesman. But he's been in films with Johnny Depp and Dustin Hoffman and Martin Landau, Arnold Schwarzenegger. And he's uh, what he says is that uh, acting, will, being a good actor will not get you an acting job. Being a good auditioner will get you an acting job. <laughs> oh my Isn't God. that what it's this so book true. is about? Being a good auditioner. Yes, and, and both are critical. Right. So you want to get the part, but you also want to do a great job when you get the part. Yeah. You don't ever want to be banned from the set for life or anything like that because you keep missing your mark and, you know, spilling coffee on the director. Yeah, exactly. And so while the book is completely, I thought was great when um, it walked through all the different things that you need to do and you can go through each of the years. So there's a 2018, I don't know if they came out with 2019 summary of what color is your parachute that you can look at and it 
walks you down the step-by-step on how to get a job, or as you just said, Alan, how to audition. And so, you know, one of the things I thought that was missing from the book to help people, you know, be successful, and we have to take into consideration both, uh, we're talking about the business owner and the person applying for the job, right? Because there is a, a simpatico relationship there. Um, in the fact that number one, you want to hire the best people and then you don't want turnover from those people for two different reasons. It's like, and it's the, those are the number one and number two largest costs to any company. It doesn't matter if you're small and if you're small, it's bigger than corporations. And so thinking about making sure you have the good hire and then retaining that hire, I thought that was completely missing from the book in the process of doing that. And uh, some stats uh, that I read, I can't even remember the article, were that millennials, they'll graduate from college, go to work for a corporation. In the first couple months, they're realizing they're not being paid enough. They're not in a power of position. And then they'll sit there for another, you know, 12 months. It's like an 18 month turnover. So when you think about that in relation to the book, I just think that they're missing. Well, one part is to get a job. The other part is to keep a job, right. And to excel in that. And like the language is the piece that's missing, right. The language of what do we do in order to hire the right person? Number one. And then how do we get something done? Right. And it's that language um, that I thought that was, you know, missing from the book. Well, and it's a, it's a huge void. And that's exactly why some of you may have seen our parody covers. We do parody covers of these books to kind of get at the point we're going to make in the podcast. And in this particular case, the, excuse me, the parody title is, it, it doesn't matter what color your parachute is, if it doesn't open. <laughs> exactly. It's like, get the job, but all right, right? It is funny you say that and bring that up, Alan, as um, I was just at an air show recently, and all uh, and they had these parachuters like come out from so high and of course you see them jump out of the plane and they're just jumping out because they don't open their parachute until like so many feet are down and you're just like crossing your fingers please please make sure please open please (laughs) please open right and then and what's a great analogy and i didn't even think of that until um I was just um, visualizing it is first is, did your parachute open? The second is after your parachute opened, are you directionally making that? So you're not crashing into something right? based off the wind and based off of like, that's a great analogy for ideation and implementation, by the way. uh, Yeah, absolutely. That's a, that is beautiful. Uh, And uh, now one of the things also is, I mean, think about this. If you've ever been in a job where you are, not respected, you're marginalized for some reason, you've got a, you've got a nasty person as a boss. And I mean, there's, you know, it's all about what happens after you get hired. And and if you think it's that important, what you do to get hired, yes, it's important. But a lot of the research says is that uh, taller people get hired more often and good looking people get 
uh, hired more often. So that, I would say, get taller, and you won't need to buy this book. Just wear stilts. You're done. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, Which is so ridiculous. It's absurd. But you know what? A lot of things are, right? Yeah. I mean, the employer is always thinking about what's going to happen after the hire and make sure they make the right hire so they can get their own goals reached. But, you know, we, we, we've got to do that a lot more from, from our end too. see us being say the, the applicant, you know, it's the same thing. It's not what happens to get you hired. Uh, your, your life uh, could change for the better or the worse dramatically if it's a good hire or a bad hire, if you go into a good place or not a good place. Yeah, well, that's in, you know, what else is a good point of that is um, the fact that the book teaches you how to get a job, but yet after people get a job, 70% of people hate their job. So basically you're a slave to your income that you need. And we all know that we need that. However, I think the shifting gears, Alan, that you were talking about is okay. Like if you get the job, then how are you working in that job? Right. Um, and making sure that you're not one of those, you know, 70% of people who wake up every day, hating what they do more, you know, hours of the day than we spend with our family. Right. You know, it kind of reminds me of that story, um, Alan. And I know this was early on in your career <laughs> when um, well, you can tell the story. Yeah, I, I ran a creative department in a very large advertising agency, and I had 22 people reporting to me. And uh, this is about the time that we started developing what we have today known as the Hoodoo Method and the People Catalyst. And uh, we were measuring the uh, core natures of the of the people with the very first assessment to do so. Found out that. Out of my creative department, the 22 people, 15 of them were provers. Now, for those of you who don't know the, the, the nomenclature, a prover is somebody who's going to look at any idea and tell you immediately what's going to go wrong. And this is, while this is very important, it can also be quite unsettling if you're in the business of trying to get ideas implemented. So uh, 15 provers. Now, and also one of the things we... We also know is that certain certain core natures of people tend to be attracted to certain kind of uh, subcategories of jobs or industries, and uh, uh, most of these people were graphic designers. And graphic design is a big, big attraction for provers because they can sit there and learn. Oh, yeah. learn. That's not the right color. You've got the oh, yeah. zero zero of that inch. Not appropriate for that you're not preserving the integrity of that triangle which we love and by the way and that's the best thing that you're leaning to is like it's great but it cannot be great <laughs> yeah well and everything has a light side and a dark side and uh so one of the, the yin and the yang one of the ways to get the get the happy side going is to put people in the right place at the right time doing the right thing, you know, applying a process. But the interesting thing was we couldn't even do that because we had a hundred people in the company. We only had one mover. Now a mover is a person who intuitively tells you exactly what's going to happen next. And they can set priorities so easily and so beautifully that they can pick a, an idea out of a hundred ideas and tell you that's the one that's going to work. And we just put a little bit of idea number eight into that. And here's a plan to launch it and give me that I'm going to run with it. 
And so uh, movers are the people who get new things done and no other model will identify these people. We only had one. And so what were we gonna do? And what we did was we, we made her available and took away a lot of her kind of day-to-day job description, you know, her, her uh, function management duties and got her into what's called role management, which meant she could go to a meeting as a, as a mover, identify the best idea and, and run the whole, run the whole process. And it worked like crazy. And what happened was we were supposed to double the company with 10% fewer people to get to $15 million. We, We had started at seven and at the end of the year, we shot past 15 and we did 29, seven, 29,700,000. Yeah, the crazy was the booking up the next year. <laughs> yeah. The next year we booked up another 44 million and that year we froze every, every competitor out of the business. Nobody got any new business that year except us. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that's, it was like, wow, this is pretty powerful. Well, and, and there you go. What a whole team, uh, come on, how did they feel when you were like, hey, we're going to do twice as much revenue. We just cut everybody, you know, 10% of the employees out of the, you know, company. And then, oh, by the way, um, yeah, you're going to have to work way harder and do a whole bunch more. And literally, 100 <laughs> people, one mover, put them in the right place. Don't give them a job description. Tell them this is your role, not your function, your role. If somebody runs around managing all the different departments and things get done. I mean, it's, it's just, it's, it's incredible to think, but it's so different. See, that's the thing that is, uh, you have to change the status quo of the way it's always been done. And I think that was the big thing that, um, that the company did. Oh yeah. And it's, and it also, it has to, two things have to happen. One is you've got to have support from management and leadership to mm-hmm. make sure that nobody's going to push back and kill the whole thing. Cause that's what happens, especially with, with a lot of provers in the company. Um, and the other thing is this, this wonderful belief that everything has to be fair. Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. But it's also so. the common language. <laughs> it's that common language that you talked about that started that, which was everybody in the company had a common language. So they could yes. fit into that space because they were agreed upon that, you know, that's your space, that's my space. And we have a language for, and I think, again, that's what we're talking about with the book kind of missed was the fact that okay get a job but like what are you going to do after you get a job and and by the way we're not even going to go into the chapter one whole chapter of then start your own business (laughs) that's hilarious that's a six new podcast yeah exactly that's okay do you have five years yeah because there's a reason 90 percent of new businesses fail um but i thought one thing alan that i also read in the book that was unique um, and, and again, I never read this book until you brought it up and said, Hey, we should, you know, review it and take a look at it. And it's been a best-selling book forever uh, and yeah. amazing in its own right, no doubt. But, uh, however, there's always something else that you can look at. Um, the thing though, that spoke to me was when the author said you could go to, you know, your employer and say, Hey, these are my strengths. And that if you could work around my strengths and just give me a 
position based off my strengths, that would work really well. And, he, and it, it was almost like an outlandish kind of thing. It wasn't like do that. It was like, hey, if you could do that. And it was almost like, okay, after you get the job, then you could do this. Yep. It would be totally better uh, if they actually hired that way is the part. But it, it, it's only half the problem because if I pick you, and you you leaned into it earlier because you got to be fair. Um, but if I pick you and you say you're good at that, but I only do it with you and I don't do it with the entire team, I, that's only half the problem. Yeah. Then everybody complains. It, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So you, have, you, have one, uh, you have one golden child and uh, the rest are victims. Yeah. Instead of having a whole bunch of golden childs. Yeah, right? exactly. Like everybody can. And, exactly. <laughs> and that's what fair really is when everybody gets to have the respect that they deserve for how good they are at what they do. And they get to work in their, in, in their core nature because they get the best chance to succeed. Yeah. And that's exactly what we talked about earlier, which was the function management versus role management. And this reminds me uh, way back in the day when I worked in finance and uh, we were working with a really large company and um, you had your, you know, there's always an 80, 20 rule, right? So you've got your 20% on the top, the crazy producers, like that are going out and making it happen. And then you got your 80% that you're, you know, constantly trying to make better and teach them and train them and all that stuff. And so you've got your producer that is just knocking it out of the park and saying, Hey, can I get somebody to underwrite the deal and to do all the paperwork? And the answer was, Every single time, no, because that wouldn't be quote unquote fair. And it's like, wait a second, (laughs) you've got your top producer that's producing 10 times the amount of somebody and you're not going to give them somebody to help and support them to do the underwriting and the creation of the documents because it's not fair. No, instead we're going to cut their territory because they're making too much money and they're embarrassing senior management. Because they're making more than the senior managers. Exactly. It's ridiculous. And and honestly, banks are really, really poor at doing because everybody has to be seen as, oh no, like that's that's your job description. And everybody has to have the same job description. Yeah. And if you're in that position, that's exactly what you need to do. All those things. And honestly, finance is a great. Uh, metaphor for this because they're expecting you to find out and think of the ideas of where to find people, then go find them and figure out, you know, this is a person that needs financing and then underwrite a loan, which anybody who's ever done that before knows. And I don't care if it's a home loan, a, you know, uh, corporate financing, you know, SBA, uh, there's a million factoring, you name it. It takes a lot of detail work to be able to do that. And then you're printing documents. Okay. Like literally like going into a system and making sure all the documents are correct and then hitting print. That's 1% of the population. (laughs) (laughs) You can do all that. You can do all of those things. Yeah. As a salesperson. How do you think that goes? Like they could completely, in my opinion, and this goes probably for a lot of different um, verticals, but they could completely obliterate the 80-20 by, you know, typically you always have to cut somebody at the bottom. But what if you 
helped and support that group through that process? Like, how would you be able to dominate your marketplace just by saying that you don't have to be the 1% you can do. Can you imagine if all you had was people out there in their entire existence was simply finding those people? Like, let me give you an example of that. What if, uh, your idea was somebody just uh, called up a painter, right? Are they going to sell their house? Do they need financing? Like there's so many questions that you could ask and ideas if you just sat around and thought of them, but you're, you're, you're not even giving them the opportunity to think about the ideas. You're just saying, no, you have to do everything. It becomes stressful instead of doing the part of the work that you're great at. Or, you know, as a mover, movers are fantastic at finding people and finding the set of people that you need on the team. Like, well, what if that's all they did? Uh, I'll give you an example. Uh, We worked with a uh, TV uh, station for owned by a big company and uh, they had salespeople. And one of the things that the salespeople had to do was do follow-up. Okay. And the first follow-up thing they would do is they'd send them a handwritten note. And uh, so that means they had to go through the mail and everything. So there were, there were 10 salesmen and nine of them were shakers. One of them was a maker. A maker is just a great detail person. And it took each one of them an hour to uh, to write the note and go through all the stuff of mail, you know, find the address and all that stuff. And it turns out that all the shakers, it took them only 10 minutes to figure out what to say in the letter. And then the rest of the rigmarole, you know, finding the envelope, sealing it, putting the stamp on, getting the address or whatever you do to mail, snail mail a letter, took them 50 minutes, 5-0 except for one person and that was the maker and the maker it was the exact opposite it took it took the maker only 10 minutes to do all this stuff because they were so good at the details but the it took that maker 55 minutes six times as long to figure out what to say because they weren't <laughs> sure what to say and they kept killing their own ideas and everything <laughs> and so we just did a little swap and the maker wound up you know uh, t- the maker wound up doing all the detail work for all 10 letters the maker's own letter and the other nine shakers letter okay and the shakers they all just did the ideas for their own letter and then one of them did also did the idea for the maker's letter 10 minutes 10 minutes 10 minutes so if you do the math instead of 10 hours to write 10 letters right which would be uh 600 minutes instead you had uh you had each uh each shaker do their own idea plus one more that's 10 times 10 minutes that's 100 minutes and uh, then you'd have the maker do all 10 details again uh 10 times uh 10 is 100 minutes so there's 200 minutes total and it was 600 minutes yeah, 600 minutes down to 200 minutes doing what is easy for you. Yep. And that's the kind of results we find again and again and again when people do their strength work and only their strength work or mostly their strength work because they do it much faster. And they do it much better. There aren't mistakes to correct. And you love it. It gives you energy. My goodness. There's things yep. I do for free. Because yeah. it's just, that's in my core nature of work. Well, it reminds me of that quote that you talk about um, with uh, the bosses. Oh, yeah. 
the best bosses are the ones who defend the team from the managers. That who said that? Oh, I don't know. That's just been kind of a <laughs> business cliche. We've all been in those places where, you know, if you have a really good kind of a mentoring boss, your immediate supervisor who says, hey, uh, Jim's on a rampage right now. Don't worry about it. I'll run interference for you. You just keep doing this and this and we'll be fine. Yeah, but that, that and, and I'll just really quickly talk about, this is how movers have it easier, is the fact that movers have that in their gut. They, they don't even need to like you. They just know that they need you. So they, because they want to get the object of the exercise done. Um, and so this is why in not understanding mover, shaker, prover, maker, and how you're responding to them, you're literally having interface happening, just saying like, okay, don't worry about your job. <laughs> yep. And you know, what's funny too, because uh, Peter Drucker, the great management guru says, uh, uh, the world would be quite different if in companies we started worrying more about the work and quit worrying about the people in the next office. Yeah. Maybe the next cubicle, <laughs> even worse. Especially in corporate America. But, you know, even in small businesses, that's a big thing. Like, they're constantly thinking, oh, it, gosh, real estate is really bad. I started out in the title industry, and I swear, you know, I was 18, and I thought every person in that office thought I was after their job, which, you know, I kind of was, but uh, after I, <laughs> after I learned the mess that was made, I was like, I'm off on my own. <laughs> I don't think right. I want one of those things called a manager or a boss. Cause those people have got too much stuff going on. I wanted to start with a clean slate, but you know, for the, that, that for this book, Alan, I think that the really two things, um, in, in, in amazing book, uh, however, there's two things that I think would make it, you know, just put, um, you know, gasoline in a match on it is if they really figured out how do we have after we get the job, a common language, right? So a common language gives you context versus content, right? Yep. We're not talking about the stuff. We're talking about what's happening with the stuff, right? Or as uh, you always Marshall, say, the Marshall Thurber the talks about the, the uh, content is the fruit and the context is the bowl, and that's where the power is. is you don't work on, on the co the content as much as you work on the context. That's where. Yeah, and for some it. reason, the content always has emotion. The context removes the emotion. Yeah. In, in an organization, and the second thing is have a process, right? Yeah, so, and, and and by the way, like on the employer side you should have a process for who are you hiring and not hiring for um, the, here's the job description, right? Which is function management. It's like, no, what role do we need to fit on this team? Like, just like you were saying the one story, it's like there was only one mover and a hundred employees. Yes. Like, and, that, and that is critical. I think and, and there's two parts. It's like, how do you be successful after the book, how do you not be one of those people that hates their job? Who wants to be the 70% that comes home drained, frustrated? This hurts our kids. It hurts our relationships. It hurts our finances. It hurts, you know, it hurts your, our health. Your, you hit the nail on that. Your health, your stress level, all of these things. So it's great to get the job, but 
understanding how do you have a process after that, right? That you can, you know, ensure that you're successful and doing the work that you really excel at. Absolutely. So, uh, one of the things I'll just say too about a common language, even that can help you. Uh, when we worked at Amazon with Jeff Bezos and his top management team, uh, his 12 reports were uh, uh, a lot of uh, shaker provers. And uh, but one of the things uh, six months later they talked about was just having a language that they could put people in the right role was very valuable to them. Yeah, that worked out pretty well. I think they were still losing money. And I think he's the richest man in the world now. <laughs> yeah, it's a good start. <laughs> <laughs> but it's also a testament of, look, try, fail, try, fail, try, fail. But you know what? They implemented the process. That's the other thing. It's like, it only works if you work. That's right. right? So, but I love it. So apply the language and the process, right? So, and remember, there's two complete different aspects of this ideation what are we going to do implementation command and control of getting it done and then the balance of those two as you're running through implementation and you yeah, because you'd what you wind back uh, uh kicking back up to the ideation stage when you run into a big barrier in implementation so it's a real dance yeah it's a dance back and forth and understanding that and i've done this a million times i mean on our leadership team I never speak to the maker. I will not send an email. I will. Well, that's not true. I'll send it if it's like already an agreed upon execution piece that the prover on our leadership team has trained that person to do. To do. I I know that why because I can start a fire. <laughs> that's that right. not in all <laughs> purpose, but that's a red light relationship. Even though. You know, I'm the the glue on ideation between Alan and our prover. It's so when you understand the dance, right? You it's you, you can appreciate and love somebody for what they are instead of being so frustrated by the fact that they're not that. And I think you know what colors your parachute is a fantastic, amazing book. Um, I think especially if you're coming out of college, it's great. Um, I think that the piece that it's missing is, well, what if you hate your job, right? It's not just about, oh, I just got a job. And it's understanding who you are. It's understanding your team and how you can be successful within the team that you have. Absolutely. Any last thoughts on that, Alan? Well, yeah, it's interesting. Uh, Peter Drucker also said, uh, how do you succeed today in business? He said, there are only two things that you need to do, marketing and innovation. Mm. And unfortunately, on innovation, it, he says, yeah, people work in teams, but nobody really knows how to do that. And he said this about 15 years ago. And uh, that's one of the things I think that... Uh, we are talking about here is there is a way to do it and there is a way to solve it. And it's handing the work off strength to strength. People feel a lot more confident about who they're getting the work from and who they have to please. And even more importantly, they feel confident about the person they're handing the work off yes. to. That person is not gonna, is not gonna push back. They're not gonna humiliate them. They're not gonna shame them. They're not gonna yell at them. Yes, they have a common language to appreciate the other person. So everybody, and, and we say this all the time, 
we are all leaders. Leadership is a ridiculous word. We all lead. We just lead at different times. Mm -hmm. And we have to be given the power to lead at that time. It's not just the movers and the shakers that are leaders. We need you all. We just need you at different times. <laughs> uh-huh. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being with us here, Alan, today, which was funny thank because you. when we when I first read this book, I thought this one was going to be challenging. And of course, it ended up being probably one of our longer podcasts. So. It's funny how that happens. No kidding. And just remember, everybody, pack your parachute wisely, no matter what color it is, because you do want it to open. Yes, because it doesn't matter if you have one, if it doesn't open. <laughs> All right. Until next time, my friend. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the People Catalyst podcast. And remember, it's a good life.